This week's episode of Not A Football Podcast is brought to you by Lane's Secret. Add some juice to your wardrobe with looks that will never leave you feeling like you've been fired and stranded at the airport. Turn your closet into a transfer portal to style. Lane Secret, proud sponsor of Not A Football Podcast. I'm Chessie. Keelan is here. Brett is here. Grace is... Um, you know, she's she's off thinking about what happened once again in this uh, season of punts um, for a team that is going to go into its game next week with a worse record than UNLV. Um, mm. But Notre Dame, of course, uh, not the uh, not the traditional football power that is uh, on the downs, uh, most notably this week. Um, that would, of course, be. Uh, USC, which lost to Utah. You know, you saw USC was on the way back up. They had the good start to this season, and Utah comes, you know, comes beats them. It's a good Utah team, though. Really, nothing to be ashamed of there. And you know, it is USC's first year under Lincoln Riley, so uh, you know, I, I wouldn't be too concerned about that. They still very much control their own destiny in the Pac-12. <laughs> What a time to be alive. What did you guys think of this week? And especially USC-Utah. Uh, yeah, because that is, <laughs> that is the, the most important game of the week, clearly. Something else happened? Uh, uh, you no. know, look, it's some, some minor offenses against goalposts, but <laughs> really. Goalposts down. Right. Oh as, we have, as we have established, we are a, a pro- goalpost removal uh podcast so but not a pro crowdfunding the replacement of goalposts. No, tennessee tennessee okay Have some goddamn self-respect was that was that real or was that like tennessee trying to make a joke to be like give to our general fund i i wasn't entirely clear on this i'm a good question regardless i don't uh, like it Right, not to be, not to be that guy. Yeah, that uh, you know. Well, like, the fact is it a joke that landed badly, or are they crass. that crass? Is is really my question. And it is Tennessee, so I would absolutely believe either answer to that question. Well, they're getting the money. That that orange right. bar is sliding to the right. Right, that's that's the thing. Whether they need it for that or not, somebody's going to write them a check. Somebody was going to write them a check anyway. Because holy crap, they beat Bama. Like, there there are a lot of uh, old Rich Vols fans who that is the only thing they've wanted to see in the past, like, 10 years minimum. They, they were busting out the Amex for that regardless. Yeah, there are a lot of people who probably thought they were going to die before that happened again. Right. Like, legitimately. Were, up until very recently, I would have agreed with them. So. Yeah. But now uh, Alabama is um, still firmly in a position where if they win all the rest of their games, they'll go into the playoffs. So nothing matters. Um, however, standing in their way will be their their big showdown in Oxford on where were we like two weeks away from that, three weeks away from that now. I think so. Yeah. Um, Lane and the boys got to take care of business uh, in Baton Rouge first. That's gonna be uh, that's gonna be dicey. Uh, no lie, but, uh, you know, the Tennessee Ole Miss SEC championship game that we all anticipated before <laughs> the season is shaping up uh, beautifully. 
Oh my god. That's my favorite thing too about like it's it's not my favorite thing about the the whole Tennessee thing, but my favorite thing about like two days later and, and where we are now is they still got at Georgia on the schedule. Tennessee does. Yeah. Oh, that's gonna be that's not gonna be good for anybody. Um, like that's that's what sucks so bad about like being in the SEC and especially like being Tennessee where you're like third Saturday in October your your uh you know interdivisional game is freaking Alabama every year. Yeah. Look, Florida beat Utah somehow, and, uh, and Florida already... is better than USC. Is what uh-huh. we have learned this week. By the transitive property. <laughs> Yeah. Which means that LSU is better than USC, which means Brian Kelly has won again. <laughs> Brian, Brian Kelly just winning at life, as always. Hmm. I'm but sorry, that... you, were, you were saying something about Florida. <laughs> yeah, but, it, but it is the, re- it's just, it's the reality of the SEC. Like, like I said, like Florida beat Utah by some, I don't even know how, now looking back. And they will not lose all of their conference games. And that's about the level of expectation. Yeah. They'll, Cannibal- they'll, they cannibalize each other. Yeah. They'll, every team in the division or in the conference will go to the, at, to at least the like, who the hell are these guys bowl on yeah. like December oh. 29th. All and- <laughs> All but yeah, one. All, all I but saw- one. Actually, maybe all but two, and they're playing this Saturday on the SEC Network because during the the rain delay for the baseball playoffs, we're recording this on Monday. So uh, tonight, rain delay for the playoffs, I flipped over to SEC Network and saw Thinking Out Loud, and and they've got a uh, commercial on there coming up this Saturday. They had to go to the mines of the videotapes to cobble together 30 seconds of highlights for this commercial. Vandy, oh Missouri, God. this Saturday, how do 4 you, p.m. How do you even find... I just... <laughs> they don't even 30, count. <laughs> 30 seconds of highlights for that. It's just... It's so brutal. And it is funny, because, like, Keelan, you understand this. Uh, they don't count is absolutely the correct sentence. <laughs> like... How did you as, as get someone, here? Right. As someone who was raised a Gators fan, it's still like, who invited Missouri to this party? Why yeah. are you here? It's it's very still, weird. Still. Yep. And it's been a, a long time. And it's yeah. really confusing. And Vandy is like the weird rich cousin where they show up yeah. Thanksgiving. We're just like, don't you have something better to be? It's like, like a Southern Ivy League school. Every every right. conference has it. Nerd school. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> it's Northwestern, it's Stanford, it's Duke, it's Vanderbilt, it's Ohio University in the Mac, maybe? I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Every conference has the has the one repository for nerds. Well, uh, <laughs> Nerd <yeah>. dumpster. Right. <laughs> every every predominantly public school conference has at least one private school that we're like, why are you slumming it with the rest of us? Like, <laughs> And it's basically because the Ivy League just decided in 1950-whatever, we're, we're good with eight, and we're going to stay that way forever. Right. And Stanford, which is over here in California, like, oh, well, I yeah. find that. I guess you guys are all okay. going to go to the party without us. Whatever. Yeah. We don't, we <laughs> and, don't even like planes. Right. And now has had a complex about it for however many decades it's been. 
I mean, all that that is the the great thing that the Ivy League does by its existence. Um, obviously, the alumni of all eight of the schools, myself included, are insufferable assholes um, who cannot be told anything at any time ever. Um, however, the Ivy League's existence and staying at eight schools means that for all of those same irredeemable assholes, but who went to Duke, Vanderbilt, Northwestern, Stanford, USC, let's put Michigan in there too. They know they are. Um, and really Michigan was like playing football with those guys back in the day too. So like it keeps it, the, the existence of the Ivy League at least keeps another large group of assholes in check to some extent. Mm-hmm. Not really, because they all wind up going to the same, like the biggest assholes wind up going to Yale Law anyway, so <laughs> fuck it. Is, yep. Um, but yeah, um, speaking of, of uh, irredeemable assholes, though... Um, <laughs> We could go anywhere with that. Who wants to do that? I, I, was like, there, uh, I know, like, waiting for the rest of it. I'm like, this is going to be good. Where are we going? What, like, what did Urban do this week? He was a man. <laughs> That's a good question. Was, Where is he? We have, I'm worried. He was, I, I caught a couple minutes of him on pregame, postgame for somebody. I don't. I was channel serving. I don't even He's on Fox, him. right? I think I so. Have yeah, him. I think no. so. No self-respecting network would employ that man. Yeah. Right. So uh, Fox, by logical conclusion, then. So is he yeah. at Penn State, Michigan? Oh, that was a dumpster of a game. Yeah. Should have yeah, been a better game. I, yeah, I think it was. I don't even realize know what happened other than Michigan destroyed them. Good. We don't have to think Mostly about Penn that. State. Yeah. Do you know his middle name is Frank? Who, Urban? <laughs> <laughs> that's built just Frank, not like Francis or yep. that's Urban perfect. Frank Meyer. <laughs> that is incredible. I'm calling him Frank now forever. <laughs> that's perfect. That is devilishly close to Oscar Meyer Wiener. It is. Yes, it is. Right. It's like Oscar Meyer Wiener's like nickname. <laughs> or his dad Frank, or grandpa Frank or something. Meyer. <laughs> oh my god, I love it. You put that. Oscar Meyer Wiener into Google Translate to Mandarin and got back <laughs> Urban Frank Meyer when it came back to English. <laughs> this just uh, confirms that he is, in fact, a sentient AI and not a person. Fake name, fake name. Exactly. Right. Well, that's too bad because he is going to be the next coach of the Alabama Crimson Tide if it's not Keith Kiffin. That's true. Uh, but- you know that that did uh, get set in the works this week. the The path to uh, Juice coaching Alabama and the <laughs> ultimate face turn in college football history. Uh, I can't wait. Way. That was my takeaway from Alabama Tennessee. I don't know about you guys. Yeah, no, that's about it. Yeah, I I just really enjoy anyone beating Alabama. It's just even if it's Tennessee, which makes me like a little bit. And I'm still uncomfortable with Tennessee being good. Like, that's just, I'm not sure how to operate in a world where that's true. But, yeah, given that. <laughs> it's, it's always a special day and experience, Alabama loses day. Because you can get teased by it sometimes. Like, 
there'll be times oh, yeah. down in the fourth quarter, you go run into the TV and you're always a little bit thinking in the back of your mind, ah, Saban's going to pull this one out. Right. It's, it's a don't count out, count out touchdown Tom thing where you're just like, motherfucker. Like, yeah. <laughs> eventually somebody's got to get him. And every time you're like, well, fine. Can't keep getting away with it. Um, <laughs> right. I, I was settling kids. I caught the end of that game at a bar at Six Flags during Fright Fest. And Amazing. Everyone was huddled around and everyone was excited that Alabama won. And it was a beautiful, or Alabama lost. It was a beautiful moment at Six Flags. It's just, it's the Six Flags bar. Sports unite people in a way that's just beautiful. Hatred of Alabama. <laughs> Look, uh, sometimes the, the greatest uh, unifying factor of any scenario is just hating somebody else for yeah. maybe not even really a reason. But but that's the end of my TED talk about electoral politics. <laughs> <sighs> but, I mean, that, that is true. Like, Thanksgiving every year, I, I'm not psyched <clears throat> up for Michigan. I'm psyched up to root against Ohio State. Right, right. I have no horse in the like, race other than I want Ohio State to have not a good day. Yeah, I mean, I, you know, I spent a lot of time growing up rooting against Florida State. Um, well, I mean, that's I, mean, I still do spend time doing that. I just don't spend as much time doing that because <laughs> they don't matter. But that like, yeah, like. I I dis like I I generally feel like I have a pretty like I want to see you know it's college kids I want to see them succeed with very few exceptions and those few exceptions are uh, pretty strong yeah. I feel like in most cases like look you know what you did you mm-hmm. know where you decided to go to school <laughs> you chose this life <laughs> and. I feel, you know, one thing about Ohio State is they do embrace it. They don't pretend to be good. They're they're openly, you know, are they lawful evil or are they? Because that's a good question. They're they're definitely. I would I would say yes, but they're lawful in the sense of like. They're, they're, they're fucking cop the evil. Not, yes, yes, Notre Dame exactly. is regular cop evil, and right. Ohio State is crooked cop evil. Yeah, that's right. true. Ohio State right. will plant There's, evidence on your ass. Correct. I feel. I feel like it's more of a crooked detective because of the sweater vest element thrown in there. <laughs> oh yeah, 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 yeah. Like, like, like the crooked guy who's going to play the drugs in your office or whatever. Yeah. Yeah, like a Perry Mason type. There you go. There you go. <laughs> but crooked. I don't think Perry but Mason crooked. is crooked. Right, I don't know. Right. No, 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 oh, no. no. I'm thinking of Matlock. Never mind. <laughs> a, they, they call in Jim Trestle to fire him. They're like, turn in your clipboard. <laughs> <laughs> I'm taking your board. <laughs> oh, God. You're off the force. <laughs> Give us your <laughs> sweater vest. The NCAA really is kind of like an eternal affairs unit, too. That's uh, uh-huh. 
Yeah, in in exactly the appropriate good and bad way. Yeah, and it, it takes it also like to I, I think about like working for the NCAA. Like who's taking those? Like it's one thing to be like, all right, I'm a football player. Ohio State gave me the best options. They're you know a good path to the pros. Fit my system. Right. Da, 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 da. I'm gonna go to Ohio State. People, grown adults are making a choice to go work for the National Collegiate Athletic Association. That's a weird choice. Uh huh. It was just. It makes me remember uh, last year, last year, year before. Uh, there were so many catastrophic wildfires here in California. It's hard to keep them all straight. Uh, one of the years where uh, PG&E's equipment like lit half the state on fire. Right in the aftermath of that, they were hiring uh, a bunch of people for their like crisis communications department. And I work in marketing, so of course I get the like LinkedIn and Indeed updates. And I just who who at that moment is like, yes, I should absolutely go work in uh, laundering the public image of this, uh, alleged public utility that is just killing hundreds of people and burning down hundreds of thousands of structures year to year. Like, what does that life choice look like? I mean... Right, you've got to be in a bad place. I went to work somewhere toxic, and... Yeah. um, Not... Not to that degree. Um... I guess that the idealistic way to think about it is that, you know, you take that job thinking not, I mean, either you take that job because you're a horribly cynical person and figure that, you know, you can parlay that into whatever, but um, the idealistic rationale for, for taking that job is this is supposed to be a public utility. It is a way that I can help the public because regardless of everybody's feelings about PG&E killing many, many people and burning down many, many acres. Um, it's still going to be there and be something that people rely on uh, going into the future. So right. I can go be part of that. Um, would I do that? That's, that's not for me. And it's not a choice that I really understand. But I, I can see the logical path that brings somebody to it, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Just you've got to be in a just you've either got to be so unbelievably optimistic that like I just I I admire you as a person for being able to have that much of a rosy view on it. Or mm-hmm. you've just got to be in a dark place in your life. <laughs> yeah, I, what what was um the T V show? This is this is good. That's a good clue. It's a TV show. It had, um, Matlock, Carrie Washington. Oh, uh, uh, scandal. Yes, that's the one. Um, like you know, it's it's that kind of thing where right. it's like I'm, I relish the challenge of getting people or a company out of you know it, the the Winston Wolf. Uh, from Pulp Fiction kind of scenario, like being the fixer and you feel like some sort of level of accomplishment and power when it works out. And if it doesn't work out, 
Well, you walked into a hopeless situation. What could you possibly do? I I do right. see that there's how much worse can you make it? Yeah, um, you know, not unlike taking the uh, the Arkansas job. So I I think Sam Pittman can really uh, empathize with all of this. There you go. We've we've solved the Arkansas dilemma. Yeah. He seems a good fit. You know, he goes in there, he wins his eight games, and says uh, says whomping and some stuff, and everybody's <laughs> happy, and he's gotten he's gotten the job done. Nobody has any expectation that he's going to actually take Arkansas. Maybe Jerry Jones does, but Jerry has other issues to worry about. <laughs> right, but he's got bigger fish to fry. Yeah, like he just wants him to come up to his stadium and give A and M a a good butt kicking every couple of years. They can do that. Sam Pittman can do that. Yeah, I'm still not a hundred percent sure that I could identify Sam Pittman if I saw him on the street, but he could do that. Yeah, yeah. If he was not wearing like branded clothing, I would absolutely not know who he was. Yeah, but that does make me. I I was having this uh, internal debate with myself earlier. It does make me bring me to the question of what do we think is the worst job in college football? Like, what is the program that you are you just it's you have the least hope. Like, what is the worst landing spot? I have, I have my theories. I mean, there's a lot of really hopeless, dead end, never ever going to do anything or win anything programs. Sure. But I think, I guess my, my think, my logic was right. Uh, maybe Auburn, something in that, arena right because i think the worst spot to be in is the intersection of still have been good enough in recent history or still feel like they should be good enough that there are expectations but there is still a huge gulf (laughs) between those expectations and the reality of what can be done with the resources you will actually have at your disposal and with the competition that you're trying to get around In a way, the Cam Newton title is the worst thing that could have ever happened to that program. Right. I mean, right. the greatest, the greatest for sure. You wouldn't trade it in a million years, but. Uh, again, uh, uh, on behalf of the University of Florida, apologies for that one. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, like, it puts you in a position where you're like, we won a championship in 2010. Why can't we fucking do this? And it's, right. We beat Alabama every three years. <laughs> right. And it's like, no, but that is not like that is not a, a repeatable <laughs> process. But now you've got these expectations. Yeah. It's, yeah. It's a it's a little uh Kansas City Royals post twenty fifteen where you're like, ah crap, now what do we do? Yeah. This is it's uh, like this isn't gonna be for the Cam Newton example, this isn't gonna be a dynasty. <laughs> right. Like this is not awareness. We, yeah. We we got our one. That's great. We're gonna go never have it happen again. Like <laughs> there is nothing wrong with being the Toronto Raptors. You just have to you know because not ev- not everybody gets the gets the ring out of it. Like Right. Well, and um, this is this is very timely in that this has been such a a fucking disaster on um, Twitter the past couple of days of just like the the like rings at all else rings above everything else. If you don't win the championship, it doesn't matter. Like that whole attitude, and I mm. 
I feel like that is, on, I think I've, we've talked about this before, that that is on some level what I like about college football, that it's sort of so preordained <laughs> going into every year, like who's really going to actually be playing for those spots in the playoffs or who's actually really got a shot at anything major. That everybody else is just like, we're going to find things to enjoy. We're going we're gonna to randomly upset Alabama. We're going to tear down some goalposts because we feel like it we're gonna win our rivalry game like whatever it is you gotta like find your you know make your own fun as it were yeah and 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 in that regard i don't think auburn is can be the worst simply because you have that chance to play the iron bowl every year that is a very good point because like if you're if you're if you're auburn one one Iron Bowl win like buys you some goodwill for a couple of years. Like you don't yeah. have to do it that often. Nobody expects you to do it every year. You can fit it in every few years. Like you're good. Now, what if um, instead of you know Bryant Denny or Jordan Hare, you were spending Thanksgiving weekend at I don't know Kinnick Stadium <laughs> Memorial, just a Big old cold, windy ass, miserable, sitting there at six and five and knowing that you're going to go to Detroit in a couple of weeks <laughs> to play in the Motor City Bowl. Right. Against Central Michigan. <laughs> They're going to have their fans there. I don't know if it's Iowa yeah. or Nebraska or if they're the same job once Kirk Ferentz uh, leaves this mortal coil. Um, yeah, not and- a day sooner, apparently. <laughs> he actually has to die for the position <laughs> to be vacated. And is the position then endowed to Brian? I don't know. So let's just say... Maybe there's a seance. Maybe. It's spooky season. It's us it's- it. It's Brian on the sideline with a Ouija board in 2046. <laughs> Are you uh, an yeah. dad? Uh, Third and 18. <laughs> cool. Uh, I appreciate that Iowa didn't even play and they're still catching strays. Like, they deserve it. They're going into maybe they'll pull an upset this week. No, um, they know what they did. <laughs> go go into Ohio State this week. Uh, oh, we should. Uh, God. Before we get to our, our favorite parts of the um, Alabama Tennessee game, because I feel like we've 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 covered a lot of everything. Let's let's get to our vibes picks um, for this week. We were two and two last week. We are now at. Uh, $91.08, which I believe that that is down a few cents from last week. We we essentially uh, broke even last week, and I am uh, buying time to look for the college football lines here on DraftKings, a uh, proud partner of um, Grace in paying her salary. Yay! Uh, so that's good. We, we like Got that. Got your back, Grace. Woo! Go, Grace. Um so we are without her, but we, we want to go with college football this week. And I think that, you know, uh, we have two games to choose from here. Let's go, let's go first with the uh, Big Ten 
um, the noon Eastern games, we have a choice of uh, Indiana is a three point underdog at Rutgers, and Iowa really? is a Iowa is a twenty nine point underdog at Ohio State. Yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> yeah, I mean, honestly, sense. that's maybe that's maybe a little low for, <laughs> for Ohio State. I honestly don't know how like. Once Ohio State gets going there, how it's, Iowa keeps the, the horse in the barn. No, it's going to get real ugly real fast, I imagine. Like, I can see where, like, they get... But, like, no, no, this Iowa team sucks. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And this Ohio State team is really, really good. Uh-huh. Um, we, did, we did get the... I think that this is the, you know, it's not the Vanderbilt-Georgia game. Um, cause Iowa is better than Vanderbilt. The nicest thing I've said about Iowa all season, <laughs> Iowa is a better overall program than Vanderbilt. I don't think they're going to cover a 29 point spread in Columbus, but no. it's just me. But also I don't want to bet on Ohio state. Uh, yeah. Also that I'm, I'm feeling Indiana though. Yeah. Yeah. Rutgers is giving you points. Take them. That right. is <laughs> Indiana plus there. Uh, unless Keelan, you have you you've been quiet through that. So, do you have an objection to Indiana? No. Okay. It's wait. Is it at Rutgers? It's at Rutgers. Fuck it. Let's go. Rutgers <laughs> a three point three point home favorite, which I think traditionally means Vegas doesn't have any idea. Yeah. Um, Seems about right. Yeah, we'll give you like, sure. right, we'll yeah. give you a field goal for it being at home. Sure. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, if they win, we can say we were right. But if they lose, we weren't that far off. <laughs> right. right. Here's here's more fun from from the next window. We will uh, we'll stay with uh, stay with the Big Ten. Um, this being a Big Ten podcast, and also because it's <laughs> fucking fascinating. Some of these lines. Um, I don't know what to do with, and also I don't know what to do with Texas Oklahoma State as a six point. Uh, Texas favorite that just nothing there is good and and I don't really want to be involved with that game at all so yeah uh, let's let's stay in the Big Ten we have uh, <laughs> we've got Northwestern um, at Maryland uh, the Wildcats getting thirteen and a half points or okay. Purdue man they don't even give Wisconsin the full field goal Wisconsin is merely a two and a half point home favorite over Purdue. That's tough, though, because mm. Purdue barely beat Nebraska. Could Nebraska beat Wisconsin? I don't know. Uh, could. God, what is, what is happening over there? Happen. Uh, uh, relatedly, that's a mess. Yeah. No, that's not a question we should be asking. <laughs> no, that, that gets a little existential for uh, the end of the podcast, but. I don't know. I, I can't speak I don't on know. these Midwestern halls yeah, so, of the country. So we don't have a real feeling on Purdue, Wisconsin. No, I don't. I don't uh, feel strongly either way. I have a really hard time with Maryland as a two touchdown favorite against anybody in October, um, let alone. Um, is 
Tolia Tagovailoa is um, just much like his brother, just forever injured. Yeah. Is he injured now? He uh, might be. Well, he had his con- bad concussions. Yeah. He's, so he's and probably... I hope him. he's still... Let's see. They definitely played all of that down <laughs> a lot. Uh, so it looks like he's going to be starting this week. Yeah, uh, yeah. Two two days after. The Google News search two days ago. College football world is praying for Talia Tagovailoa tonight. Of course he's going to play next week. Of course he is. It's fucking sport. Yeah. All right. Let's stay away from that one too. I feel gross about that now. Let's yeah, let's go to a different three thirty game. Uh, we'll get the hell out of that conference. Uh, the and, and we'll go to uh, the delightful and uh, fantastic uh, Atlantic Coast Conference or the delightful and exotic Pacific 12 Conference. Uh, these games, each at 3.30 Eastern, we have UCLA, a six-point underdog at Oregon, and Boston College, a 21-point underdog at Wake Forest. Oh, my God. <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say here. Those are all so cursed. Cursed. Just not the vibes are terrible at all of these. I like Wake here because the first thing that I thought is twenty-one points. That is an excellent opportunity. Middle of October, nobody really paying attention. That is Boston College shaving points, baby. Good old (laughs) tradition. Wake's gonna Uh, get that cover. Yeah. No. (laughs) There you go. That's somebody's already logged and had a, a little handshake agreement on that one. <laughs> All right. Uh, we we move on. Oh oh god. Okay, these are these are cursed. These are both cursed matchups. Three thirty and four o'clock Eastern. Um, first, we have we talked about it earlier in the show. Let's do it now in that key southeastern conference matchup to be seen on the SEC network, Vanderbilt at Missouri. <laughs> um, you guys want to take a guess at what the, the line is on this? Oh. Oh, God. I haven't even, like, heard about Missouri this year. Well, Florida okay. beat them, so Here's... make of that what you will. Oh, yeah, that's right. They almost beat Georgia. That's right. Okay, I'm ready. I'm ready. What are you? I'm not guessing. I think the guess might be helpful because that'll help to to guide us on on the line. Actually, um, uh, I'm pick. gonna Missouri <laughs> Missouri by fifteen. Wow. Yeah, I was gonna say like about somewhere in the neighborhood of twelve, fifteen. How wrong are, are we? You guys are good. Missouri okay. by a fourteen point favorite. Hey. Yeah, I take Missouri. If you can't beat Vanderbilt by two touchdowns, I look. I'm sorry. Are you really an SEC team? Well, no. A question we that we will not be able to answer based on the <laughs> results of this game. However, we will take Missouri and each 14 points. Oh, Give God. the 14 points. Uh, all right, we need one more. Uh, so far, we've got Indiana, Wake, Missouri. We need. We got the- any Pac-12 after dark action? Oh yeah, let's let's find that. Let's see what we can say. Oh, oh, you want another big number? 
go for it. Colorado. Oh. <laughs> no longer winless. God bless America. They are, they are going up to Corvallis, Oregon. Oh. Play the mighty God. beavers. And the Buffaloes are underdogs oh. by 24 points. That's not a Pac-12 after dark, though. That is that is simply an eight <laughs> Eastern game. They got to put that one in prime time, baby. <laughs> <laughs> it's a feel-good so game. So oh. he's up there at the Pac-12 network. We got to get that one on the East Coast. Oh, my God. Uh, the, the after dark game I don't feel good about I feel much better about picking the Colorado Oregon State game than I do about picking Washington Cal uh, what's the line Washington by seven and a half oh Washington easily all day okay a- apologies that- to any of my many Cal friends who are listening to this I, but like I mean, that- it's Cal you know what they did Sure. I, <laughs> I I also just wrote down Washington minus 75 on my notepad here. So Look, not um, outside the realm of possibility. Not outside the realm of possibility, <laughs> but we will put the point in there to be sure that we write that down and then we will make those bets. <laughs> and um, yeah, before before we do go, we, we have not talked in enough detail um, about uh, the big thing that happened um, at and, and our favorite things from that game. I, I I will start with my lasting memory of it, which is something that I didn't even notice as it was happening during the game, but it was, um, I should look up this guy's name, George, uh, Tennessee, number 75, not number 76. Number 76 is Javantes Scraggins. Uh, number 75 is Dylan Robbins. Uh, Dylan is from Becker, Minnesota. Nope, nope. That's the Tennessee Titans. Uh, never mind. <laughs> Number 75 on the Tennessee Vols is Jerome Carvin. Uh, that Jerome is a beautifully is... SEC name. That's just spiritual. Carvin. Perfect. Exactly, exactly. Senior from Memphis. He's on the Reese's Senior Bowl watch list, but I don't know that he'll be eyeing up any food endorsements anytime soon um, after throwing up all over the field at Newland Stadium um, in the middle of a drive. Just But the awesome thing about it was because, it, it, you know, you're going to see a video of a guy throwing up during a football game. That happens. Oh, it's the internet. Um, what, ha- what you notice on the second look at this video, and I'll, I'll – uh, I'll send it to Keelan for the show notes if, if you're doing them. Um, but you've the thumbs yeah. up. Yep. Roll that, roll that footage. All right, uh, we we will get the footage of um, of Jerome vomiting on the field and then turning it into an immediate flex by looking up at the two Alabama defenders across from him on the defensive side of the field and just nodding his head like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> And then what you notice the third time is the look exchanged, even through their helmets, you can tell that the two Alabama defenders are looking at each other and whether subliminally or, you know, whatever it is, it is very clear that those two guys look at each other and their eyes meet and they go, I don't want a piece of this guy. <laughs> yeah. Right, right. Sorry, that, just, that dude is not right. I would no part like, of that. <laughs> 
Yeah. When when you're lined up across like dude throws up, like Alabama, they're used to they're used to making the other team throw up. That like that's that's a big moment. And like like, oh, we're used to making them throw up. We're not used to them liking it. <laughs> like Oh God. Jer- Jerome got in their heads. And that is why he's on the senior bowl watch list. That and I, I imagine he's a fantastic offensive lineman. I couldn't tell you the first thing about um, offensive line play, and I never will. Um, he's a big dude and uh, can turn throwing up into a flex. So um, that's amazing. And then, um, yeah, we, we can talk more about the goalposts as, as we go. But yeah. <laughs> Uh, my favorite part was uh, I, I, what I wanted is I wanted a dedicated Saban camp. Like, I want to go back and watch that entire game, but just by watching Nick Saban. Yeah. Yeah, I was really bummed at the end of the game. There wasn't a, a zoom in. It was it was an up view of them right. shaking like, no, hands. I no, needed, I needed a close-up of that. Like, I, I needed, needed to be in face. on that action. I think just the... The ensuing chaos just made it impossible. That was wild. That, yeah, that was wild. Yeah, our friend uh, Colleen asked me, or not asked, she generally asked um, in a group chat we're in if Tennessee hates Alabama that much. And I was like, I mean, everybody kind of hates Alabama that much. But right, like, I mean, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's just a big deal. Yeah, and that that was kind of thing trying to explain, you know, as we were watching it with the kids, like what Alabama means. Because, um, like, when you say like the Yankees of college football, I think people do think like Notre Dame, but Alabama is the team with the most. Like, Notre Dame has the most lore, and the movies, and the you know, long time independent status. Alabama's got the the trophy room, um, right. And also, like this, I th- this idea of like Saban and Belichick being tied together, um, you know, and, and the way that I describe them, and and um, and then I'm sorry, Keelan, I've I've jumped over. Uh, no, I actually me, but I like this conversation because it's interesting for the future as yeah. well. It's like it literally is like all of these spawn. These little hatchlings from the Belichick line. It is. And it's, um, you know, I was thinking about this because what I had said over the weekend was like, um, and immediately realized that this was beyond uh, the level of stories that, um, you know, the seven and nine year olds have heard. Um, But to describe Belichick and Saban as sort of the Romulus and Remus of 21st century football, Mm -hmm. you know, that they were together and, you know, had this, parting of the ways and um and then belichick ate him or something um <laughs> didn't it doesn't quite hold up all the way um, can't extend it quite that far maybe <laughs> but then you know, the the other part of it that i was thinking about is that saban hasn't really had a rival at the college level in any meaningful way no yeah dabo whatever yeah that guy's but this is something my mom and i joked about 
earlier this earlier in the season, he's creating his own rivals. Yes. Just like he, Belichick kind of does. But um, but Belichick, I think differently, has the other prominent NFL coaching lineage, which is the West Coast flowing from Bill Walsh and Holmgren and Andy Reid. Mm-hmm. Like that's the other dominant football coaching philosophy and style and coaching tree of, of the last half century. Right. When you, when you effectively define a style and like fundamentally change the sport, then yeah, that's going to become very much like it's, it's very interesting to sort of watch how that trickles down then and like kind of becomes codified. I wonder if, you know, <laughs> if that's the challenge that Saban can't overcome is what he has loosed upon himself. And narratively, that's a really fitting way for, you know, that kind of thing to go down. But it's really interesting at this moment in, in college football to see, like, what is happening with this Alabama program in a world where Georgia's on the board and in a world where the landscape is changing in a massive and really unknown way um, in, in a short amount of time and what that's going to mean for a coaching legend who is, you know, He's going to have to deal with a seismic change and is already dealing with a seismic change in a way that Belichick also has to deal with a seismic change. And this is where I think it's really interesting that they stay parallel. Belichick is now in the post-Tom Brady stage mm-hmm. of his career. Um, and and what he does with that, I don't know. Like he's Obviously, he's going into the Hall of Fame. Obviously, he's high in the conversation, if not already the greatest professional football coach of all time. But, you know, if, if he wins another one with Mac Jones or Bailey Zappi, um, then it's not even a conversation, is it? So the interesting thing about that, though, that now that we're not to pull us off of the actual Nick Saban topic, but yeah. with, with Belichick, I think it's it, the whole like, oh, well, he wins another one with Mac Jones or whatever. That debate becomes interesting to me, right? Because I think there's you sort of end up with these two parallel but contradictory narratives because if, oh, Belichick can win with anybody, if, if that becomes like the crowning achievement or like the cherry on top of his resume, at what point can you look at Tom Brady and be like, eh, system quarterback? Like, that. Not to, not to take it too extreme, but like, I mean, who gets the credit for that at a certain point? Like, if you're going to, on one hand, say, oh, well, look at this, he could do it with anybody. Well, then how much does Tom Brady do with it? It becomes this very weird, like, where do you, where do you draw the line of who gets credit for what? Yeah, I mean, it's an interesting thing because it's such a quarterback dominated sport, right? And yet the quarterback still does need the team and the coach. Tom Brady's not winning all those Super Bowls on the New York Jets. Right. 
Like, that's not happening. They're not building around him. He's probably getting injured at some point because they don't have the offensive line. I mean, you have to to be able to to last that long. You have to be right. playing for teams that are like just physically. You have to be playing for for good teams and teams that are well constructed and that can keep you from getting grievously injured in this horribly violent sport. And you have to be a big enough star that they basically continually. Uh, redefine what roughing the passer means for your benefit. Yeah. Like, and... which I don't think is a terrible thing necessarily. Cause I don't want to see players get hurt, obviously. But what really strikes me sometimes is how much the quarterback as by virtue of Tom Brady, but uh, you know, Aaron Rodgers and stuff too. The quarterback is as this superstar more important than anybody else by these orders of magnitude. Yeah how that has very fundamentally changed the game, right? That now we are... We it also very... has very fundamentally created some really weird dudes. Yeah, it has. Wow. Just so many weird, weird dudes. But it does make me... I mean, it just... My bias is an Niners fan, obviously, but, like, I grew up watching Joe Montana and Steve Young, mm-hmm. who both had their careers drastically shortened by the fact that they got their asses kicked. Not because those teams didn't have good offensive lines, but just because that was what happened. Like, there was just an accepted level of brutality being inflicted on quarterbacks at that point. So it's Celebrated. Celebrated, yeah, exactly. Like, those were highlight reels. So it becomes a very interesting... I mean, it's like when you look at baseball and you start talking about, like, well, how do you compare dead ball era stats to more modern ones. It kind of becomes the same thing of like, well, how can you really grade out the longevity of guys who played in the 70s or 80s or even into the 90s versus guys who play more recently when just like the the nature of the sport was so different? Yeah. I don't know. And I think that you can have that, that conversation across errors in baseball over a lot shorter period too. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, just, just the difference between, uh, not even, not even the steroid era, but just like the pre steroid, such as it were era versus like right afterwards, or, you know, you're looking at spans of well, 15, even, 20 even, years. Yeah. In in the stuff that we appreciate today being different from what it was, like Frank Thomas is a like you know Hall of Famer. He's you know he's fucking he's the big hurt. Um, right. Like it it needs. He was a huge deal as it was, but the skills that he had, um, you know the on base the the plate discipline that how hard he freaking hit the ball. I, what Statcast would have done with that. Like right. he would have like, he's a guy that I feel like would have been an even bigger star today based on what he did as a player. And, and then as you know, kind of as a result of fitting into this era better, you, he might've had even better numbers than I don't know. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think that's a really interesting yeah. question, though. Like, 
because there are some players that I think are almost like born in the wrong era. Yeah. Um, such as it were, we're just like, yeah, their, their skills were such that it wasn't as highly appreciated just based on the style of the sport at the time. And we do sort of appreciate them differently than in retrospect. Cause you look at that and go, Oh my God, that guy was, that was so impressive. Like he was on base constantly, you know, he had such a good eye. Um, you know, he wasn't just hitting the ball hard. He was hitting the ball harder than hardly than basically anybody else was like all that kind of stuff that either we didn't have the ways to measure it and quantify it then, or just, it wasn't a priority because stylistically, and and sort of ideologically it wasn't yeah but what never goes out of style is alabama losing here here it's just always always a special time you know what else doesn't go out of style lanesecret.com there you go <laughs> there you go that's our sponsor lanesecret.com <laughs> nice. uh that's that's our show, I think. Do you have anything else to say? We've said a lot. Ken, what was your favorite thing? Alabama, Tennessee, mm, goalposts. Yeah, goalposts. I love That's, when a goalpost comes down. Goalpost into the river, goalpost through the city center in Knoxville. It was beautiful. That's, that is a good thing. I, I, I feel like that 10 out of 10 goalposts. Uh, we we need to get more into this maybe maybe in the written word somehow like what made that a perfect goalpost taking and the the fact that it's in Knoxville and a city helps too because you can parade it out of there and right you know get the goalpost outside the Walgreens as opposed to like when it's on campus and you're like, oh, yeah okay this is the only right positive civil disobedience some of these kids will ever know so right I'm all for it yeah yeah. So I think we're all good. So yeah. that's that's been our show. Um, I'm Jesse. That's that's Keelan on my left and Chris on my right. Um, should have said that at the beginning so that you knew what you were listening to <laughs> on your uh, podcast screen of the mind. Uh, we will try again next <laughs> week. Hopefully um, Indiana wins. And uh, Wake, Missouri, and Washington cover uh, spreads of varying natures and varieties. That's our show. Thanks so much for listening, and we'll see you next time.